If you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. We're going to be in the whole chapter, which is astonishingly small. Six verses. May you have God's Word open in front of you, and may we prayerfully hope and anticipate God to nourish us through His Word this morning. Would you pray with me? God, we open Your Word, and now we need You to open our hearts and to feed us the great truths of Your Word. Lord, we ask You would keep us free from distraction. Rather, Lord, tune our hearts to sing Thy praise. Tune our hearts to trust Thy name. And tune our hearts to cling to Christ. And we pray this in His name. Amen. I'm going to begin this morning, if you'll allow me, by being fairly vulnerable with you. And this isn't a joke. <laughs> I know it's, it might come across that way, but it, it truly is not a joke. But my hope is that as I share a little about some of my own background, you might be able to resonate with it uh, or find a nugget there to grab onto in some capacity. There have been times in my own life where I was so um, despairing because of my own sin against God, because of shame or regret or or, or embarrassment, or, or grief over the, over, the, over the outworking of my own lack of trust in God, or, or the outworking of the sin in which I had committed, and how it had hurt other people, and, and, uh, or even if it wasn't just sin in my life, but just, but just despair over a, a, a course or a turn that my life had taken that I felt was, was not the direction that, it, that I wanted my life to go as if I'm standing on, on this vast boat of my life sailing across the ocean, and the boat is starting to turn in ways that I did not anticipate it turning. And this has reached a climax with me on a couple of occasions, uh, particularly when I was younger, um, but where I would literally pray to God, God, if you will let me rewind life by five years, by five months, by however long, I promise not to make the same mistakes that I once made. This was not a, 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 a back-to-the-future kind of thing uh, where, where I wanted to go back in the future and I would buy stocks that were, were, were really cheap at one time and I knew they were going to accelerate. Or I'd, 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 I'd place money on, on sporting events or unlikely outcomes that, that could make me uh, uh, vastly rich because of this knowledge I brought from the future. That was none of it. It was just a desire to rectify to remedy the grief and the despair of my own heart over my own sin. So Stephen wanted to go back in the past and not make the same mistakes. And that got me to thinking as I considered that and I considered Isaiah 12 this week. Who are the voices? I wanted to hear from future Stephen, hey, don't go down this road again. Who are the voices that you might would want to hear from to keep your heart from straying away in, in 
sinful rebellion against God, or even simply to keep your heart hoping in God, whatever you might be facing today. Now, the Sunday school answer to that would be Jesus. Yeah, we all want to listen to Jesus. Or you might think of the Apostle Paul or other apostles and disciples or even other writers throughout the New Testament or even the Old Testament. But I want to put before you today from Isaiah 12 a voice that you probably would not or have not considered as a voice urging you towards towards trusting in God even in the face of your own sin. And that voice is your own from the future. Look at Isaiah chapter 12. Look at Isaiah 12. Follow along as I read the whole chapter. It's only six verses. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously, let this be made known in all the earth, shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel." Here's what I want to put before you from this passage. If I do my job today, if you do your job listening, I do my job preaching, we will leave this passage today with the confidence that though our own sins or our own uh, 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 tired, weary hearts might harass us with worry about whether or not we will make it. You and we will rejoice in the God of our salvation. Let's listen to this voice from the future. It's a voice that we all need to hear. And for those of us who are Christians, it's a voice, it's a song that you and I are promised that we will sing one day. So two ways we're going to see this. Two ways that we are going to see that though our sin may harass us, we can take heart that we will rejoice in God. First, very simply, we will rejoice in our individual salvation. And then secondly, we will rejoice corporately in the God of our salvation. Individually, in the God of our salvation, and corporately, in the God of our salvation. First, individually, in the God of our salvation, in verses 1 and 2. So the first word there, you, in verse 1, you will say in that day, that word, here, here's where we're basing this on, okay? In the, in the uh, original Hebrew, which 
in this way with pronouns is similar to our own language with English, where the word you can mean something singular as well as plural. So I could say you and be addressing the whole congregation, or I could say you and be addressing one person. And so here, the, the word uh, you is actually singular. It's the singular you. But then picking up in verse 3 and following, the you is plural. So that's where we're basing it on. And so, he's, so Isaiah is saying you to these individual, uh, uh, individual people of God who were, who, were, who were dragged down by despair over their present state and who were even alarmed at the lack of trust in God that had been exposed in their own hearts. So when we say sin, that is, sin is, is you can think of sin in two ways. It might, it might sound like a, a concept that is hard to wrap your mind around, but just think of, if I was going to articulate or illustrate or define sin, think of it in, 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 in alongside the words trust and treasure. So sin is when I don't trust God in the midst of a situation in my life or in the midst of, of, of a, a lack of obedience to his word, saying, God, I, I reject this. I don't trust you that this is for my good, and so I'm going to veer and turn this other way. So it's a trusting or it's a treasure thing where, where I say, I, I, I think I find this other thing, whatever it may be, a relationship, whether, whether it be a, a dream or a goal or, or uh, uh, anything in, in the totality of creation, something that I treasure apart from God. So I look at this other thing and say, this is the source of my life. This is the source of, of, of what I think gives me meaning and purpose. Thank you, God, but I'm going to hold you to the side. So when I don't trust God, when I don't treasure God, and when I'm aware of this, that is where the roots of sin are found. And so that is the audience that Isaiah is prophesying to. Their hearts are despairing over conviction over their lack of trust in God, and over their fact that they don't treasure God. They had just been through the ringer of God's very own righteous judgment upon their sin. And so you can understand, having gone through that, that, that ringer, having heard this pronouncement of God's judgment upon their sin, you can, and with the, the, the fine awareness that has been brought about in their hearts that I don't think we trust God as we ought to. I don't know what our future holds. We have transgressed against a holy and righteous God. As they are worrying about that, it is then that Isaiah says, hang on. You will say in that day. Now, you might remember this phrase, in that day, from last week. In the prophecy of a coming Messiah, uh, and, and the prophecy of God's grace in bringing a remnant that will return of His people. At the end of chapter 10 and throughout chapter 11, this phrase, in that day, is used repeatedly to, to prophesy of the Christ who would come. The Christ who would atone for their sins. The Christ who would be the means of their life. And who would be the one through which they could hope and the one through which they could live. He would come in that day. So now chapter 12 comes and says, and you will sing in that day. And this is a promise that we hold. We don't know when that day will be, but we know that in that day, in Christ, we will rejoice. 
For you will say, in verse 1, see that, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. There's a singular uh, pronoun again. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You know, verses 1 and 2 are actually quite helpful for us. If we are seeking, or maybe you are in the boat today, where you are trying to understand a little more about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean that, okay, I understand they sing these songs and they talk about Jesus a lot and they, they, they open up the Bible and I'm trying to put all the puzzle pieces together here. What does it mean for somebody to submit their life before God? Verses 1 and 2 are a great explainer of this. And actually the whole chapter is, and we'll, we'll get to the second part in a second. But, but so, so God, make no mistake, God's anger was against his people in their sin and their rebellion against him, not trusting him, not treasuring him, and turning and walking away from him. But the hope that we have as Christians is that though he was angry with us, his anger turned away that he may be our comfort. And this comfort is rooted in the fact, as verse 2 says, that God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now there's something here about the very condition of the heart that embraces this God as revealed in Isaiah chapter 12. See, sometimes we create a God or we imagine God, even the God of the Bible, in a manner in which we want Him to be, not in a manner in which God's Word presents Him to us. I've been guilty of this. I'm sure I will be guilty of this in the future. The whole of the Christian life is, in fact, learning more and more and more how to trust God when my heart at various times does not want to, when my heart at various times feels I don't know that I can. And so we can have misconceptions about God, and I want to articulate two of those, or I want to ask if maybe we are prone to two of these, okay? So the first of which is God is, uh, God, God is a means of insurance for me. I feel like I have a good relationship with God, um, but I'm going about my life. I've got my family. I've got my work. I've got my home. I've got, I'm, I'm just trying to keep, keep life going down the road between the yellow lines. Just keep going, not asking too much, not trying to do too much. But if anything gets out of hand, then I will pray to God. I will cry out to God, and I will hope that he will step in and be that insurance that can uh, provide for me in time of crisis. Maybe that is a little bit of your own attitude towards God. You would say, oh, I don't know about that. Well, go back to the question of trust and treasure. We might say we trust God. But if we unfolded the true thoughts and the true meditations of our hearts and the true, the true considerations of our minds, where would our trust truly lie? Would it rest in the state of our retirement accounts? Would it rest in the uh, uh, bottom line, last quarter at work? Would it rest in, in, in uh, another great report at the doctor's office? Would it rest in who holds power politically, governmentally? And then think about treasuring. You know, 
Do I make much of God? Not artificially, not insincerely, but, but truly because I believe that God is who he says he is and I am who I am. Or do he and I have more of an, an kind of a tip of the cap to you as I walk in each week and, okay, God, you do your part, I'll do mine. Let's just maintain the status quo. That's some questions only you can answer. But what we see with Isaiah, as he writes, is that God is my salvation. And tying this idea of trust and treasure is strength and song. God is, if I truly trust God, then he becomes my strength. And if I truly treasure him, then I am not just mumbling these things, but I am singing, rejoicing that God is my song in whom I rejoice. And so pray, ask God. God, I feel my relationship with you is sterile. I feel my relationship with you might be a little dry. God, would you help birth this in my heart? I would love to talk with you about it later today. After our service, in fact, if you'd like to discuss this further about what it means to, for God to be your strength and your song, for God to be your salvation. This is the most important thing about your life. May I urge you to give serious consideration to it. Perhaps God has brought you here today. Perhaps God has tuned your heart into Isaiah that you might see that he is not a distant Gandalf-like being, but he is the God who must be our salvation. One last note on this, well, really two last notes on verse 2, but you see, you might see a little note on verse 2 where it says, the Lord God, and Lord God is in all caps there. Uh, the Lord God is my strength and my song. What this, in, in the original Hebrew, what this articulates is that it's like the author is saying, the Lord, the, the, the God, the God of all gods, like, like, like this overflowing heart cry of gladness in God. I don't know how to describe him. Words only reach so far. The Lord God is my salvation. Now, how does he become this? That's great, but okay, he is up here. I am down here. How does this chasm get, how do I span the chasm? How do I go over the bridge? How do I reach from one point to another? How do I go from, 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 uh, from God as my insurance policy or God as my like, self-help guru or God who just, I want him to keep me happy, and how do I go to trusting and treasuring him? Well, you look to him who at the end of verse 2, he has become my salvation. That language there of become is not as if like I am looking at and, and surveying my options for life and I have between behind door number one this option, behind door number two this option, and behind door number three this option. And I say, okay, I see God is behind door number two and I am going to choose door number two that, that, that uh, I now embrace him and he becomes my salvation. That is actually not it. The, the imagery here or the language from verse two of this becoming my salvation is more of an initiatory, uh, uh, de de definite, defined God acting towards us. He has become my salvation. He has entered the picture and, and birthed new life in me, life that I did not know that what was possible, life that I did not have in myself, but he has turned a light on to the point that I now trust him, to the point that I now treasure him. And the means by which he does this is by becoming our salvation and sending his son, Jesus Christ, that he might redeem us from our sin. And that he has walked in our steps. He has, he, has, he has lived in our world. And that he dies for our sins. He dies for the fact that I don't trust him. That I don't treasure him as I ought. He dies for the fact that I trust and I treasure many gods that are apart from him. 
whether it be gods of success, whether it be gods of provision, whether it be gods of comfort, Jesus Christ has died that I might be reconciled to the one true God. So in this day, we look to the one who has come to us, and we know that we will sing in that day of Jesus Christ. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. So when you need to hear a voice from the future, that it is going to be all right today, would future you tell you, tell present you, that you will sing this song? I hope that's the case. Don't leave that unresolved. When sin or despair harasses your soul, know that you will sing in the God of your salvation. But secondly, don't only know that you will sing individually, but your singing in the God of your salvation will lead to corporate rejoicing in the God of our salvation. Look at verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Let's pause right there. So now the you in verse 3 flips to that plural you. And so Isaiah writing to this whole remnant of the people of Israel who they will draw water from the wells of salvation. It is as if the love of God is an, uh, is an overflowing stream, an unending fount, a spring that never runs dry. And Isaiah is saying, you will drink from the wells of of God's grace. The opportunity to come to God, the opportunity to trust God, is an invitation to no longer claw your way through the desert, but to come to living waters and drink and know that your thirst will never, never rise up again. For in Christ, we drink of the living waters of God. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And here's the reality, brothers and sisters. All of the things that once were, or that we once thought were our strength, were our song, were our trust, were our treasure. We find that they were shadows of the one true salvation, who is our strength, our song, our trust, our treasure. And so then you find that some of these things that you may have denied God for all your life, and yet you have thought, you, you have sought some kind of meaning, some kind of purpose, some kind of value, some kind of, some kind of, 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 of of, of thrust in your life that gave it some kind of importance and purpose and beauty. May I share with you that those of us who are Christians, we too have the same longings of our hearts towards beauty, towards purpose, towards goodness, towards righteousness towards justice, towards love, towards grace, towards compassion, towards, towards, towards fullness and gladness and joy. And we have found it all in 
God. (coughs) With joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. And yet again, you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Do you know what one of the most frequent commands of God to His people is throughout all of Scripture? Rejoice. Rejoice. But that sounds as if these two do not connect, right? Command to rejoice. And yet God, who knows all things, can look upon us and we can sing. And yet He can see in our hearts that our hearts, though we may be singing these words on a page, our hearts are not rejoicing in God. So how do I bring these two together? How do I handle this command to rejoice? How do I understand it? Well, I understand God for who He is. And I understand us for who we are. Isaiah says, give thanks to the Lord. Make His deeds known among the peoples. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Basically, Isaiah is saying here, put to practice what you sing and what you say you believe. How easy is it for us to rejoice in God on Sunday morning and agonize in worry by Sunday night? How easy is it for us as a church to rejoice in the grace of God, to sing songs like, not in me, Nothing I have done can earn the love of God, but it has been lavished upon me because He has become my salvation. Christ's life is my righteousness. Christ's death is my, is my uh, sacrifice. How easy is it for us to sing that on Sunday morning and yet not share that on Tuesday evening with the one to whom we are desirous that they would become a Christian? Isaiah says, make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Isaiah says, as we sing corporately of our great God, as we rejoice in him, will spread to the ends of the earth. It will spread to the ends of the earth. Shout, verse 6, and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. May I urge you, Take even the practical steps towards singing for joy in the Lord. Sometimes a joyful sound 
is not the most pleasant sound. Sometimes we may feel as if, oh, I'm not the best singer. But may, it, may we be marked as a church, as people who sing joyfully in God. And let us trust that the chorus of joyful singers will be a pleasant and glad refrain that will echo in our hearts and echo through our lives as we depart and go about our business day by day, week by week. And let us prayerfully seek hope that God would raise up missions endeavors that we might send forth this word of singing for joy in the great God who is our salvation. We may join the chorus of the church globally singing and giving praise to God. And may I encourage you with one last truth in verse 6 before we conclude. Isaiah says, Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. I want you to remember all the way back to Isaiah chapter 6. Remember that? Isaiah is alone. He's, in the, he's been brought into the throne room of God. And he sees God high and lifted up on his throne. The train of God's robe fills the temple. Seraphim flying around God singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah says what? He doesn't say, wow, this is really great. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. We cannot stand before this infinitely holy, righteous God. Isaiah says that in Isaiah 6. But through the grace of God who is His salvation and the God who is the salvation of His people, now Isaiah writes, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. For when God is your salvation, He is still infinitely holy. And yet, before us, whom He has atoned for our sins, and we have all confidence to rejoice in Him, He is not only infinitely holy, but He is infinitely beautiful. And He is perfectly dwelling in the midst of His people. With God in our midst. And it is not as if He is like, like, okay, where is he in here? His work is that his spirit is dwelling in each of us. And so with God dwelling in his church and at work through his people singing and at work as his people rejoice in him and at work in opening our hearts to give praise to him as we behold him through his word. As we sing week by week, day by day, we sing not just because it's something we do in our service, as if, well, it's habit, it's tradition, it's what we know to do. We sing because we are joining the refrain, the chorus of the redeemed that stretches across the globe and that stretches from the future 
throne and glory of God back to today. So I don't know about you, but the times in my life where I despair and wonder what will I do with the mess I have made myself today, or even if it's not the mess I've made myself today, the mess I find myself in by virtue of being in a fallen, sinful world. Who do I listen to? Listen to yourself. But don't listen to yourself as you recount all the ways that this thing is going to crash and burn. All the ways that God is going to be, in your mind, think he might just be unfaithful with this one. I don't think he's up for the challenge that this tragedy or that this hardship might bring. But listen to yourself and hear the echo that we start here in Isaiah 12 and that we hear in the worship of the church every single the echo of the redeemed rejoicing in the faithfulness of God, rejoicing in the salvation of God, and saying, He can be trusted. God is your salvation individually. He is our salvation corporately. And we will rejoice in Him completely. Let's pray. Oh God, You have done gloriously. With joy we pray that You will be the one in whom our hearts hope the one in whom our souls trust. Help my brothers and sisters in this room perhaps who have a hard time either singing that song or the noise of this life is just loud enough that the promises of the redeemed singing around your throne are just so faint. We strain to hear them to the point we think we may not hear them. Help us to hear it loudly and to rejoice in it fully. It is in Christ we pray. Amen.